This is Pastor Landon Davis. Thank you for joining me for our daily Bible study. We'll be reading from Romans chapter 11 of the World English Bible. I ask then, did God reject his people? May it never be. For I also am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God didn't reject his people, which he foreknew. Or don't you know what the scripture says about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have broken down your altars. I am left alone, and they seek my life. But how does God answer him? I have reserved for myself myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so, then, at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So Romans 10 concluded with Paul pointing out that Israel, in seeking their own righteousness by by stubbornly relying on their own works, had rejected God's plan. And so they were missing the necessary grace of God, the grace that was extended for salvation. The Gentiles, on the other hand, had been receptive and many were being saved. And so, does this mean that God has rejected Israel? Had he moved on completely from the natural children of Abraham? Of course not. In the Old Testament, the prophet, the prophet Elijah, in frustration, prayed against the people of Israel. He was tired of their rejection and persecution. And God answered, though, that most of the people had turned to idol worship, but there was a remnant, 7,000 strong, that still believed and were faithful to him. God still had a people, so he hadn't rejected the entire nation. And Paul stated the same was true in their day, that there was a remnant that was faithful that was going to be saved by grace. Verse 7, What then, that which Israel seeks for, that he didn't obtain, but the chosen ones obtained it, and the rest were hardened. According as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear to this very day. David says, Let their table be made a snare, a trap, a stumbling block, and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see. Always keep their backs bent. There was a a remnant, a small number of the Jewish people that had found salvation. The majority couldn't see or hear the truth, um, even though the word of God was made flesh and dwelt among them. Paul here is quoting from Isaiah 29 um, when he talks about the Lord giving them a spirit of stupor. The Lord had in Isaiah 29 warns that the people are blinding themselves. And so he sends a stupor on them and When we read the judgment, he says the problem is their mouths are near him, but their hearts are far from him. And Jesus actually quoted this over his generation. Uh, Then Paul goes on to quote Psalm 69, a psalm about Christ and the cruelty and rejection that he faced. And because because of their unbelief and hardness of heart, when he came to his own, They didn't receive him, but instead they ultimately put him to death. And so after refusing to come to the light of the world, which is what Jesus is, 
They were left blinded and in darkness. Jesus told them in John 3 and 19, This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their works were evil. And so we see that David's words actually came to pass. There was a stumbling block, a retribution to them, and their eyes were darkened. And so Christ, the cornerstone of our salvation, became a stumbling block for them. Verse 11, I asked then, did they stumble that they might fall? May it never be. But by their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if their fall is the riches of the world and their loss, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you who are Gentiles. Since then, as I'm an apostle to Gentiles, I glorify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and may save some of them. Was it God's intention for the Jews to just completely fall away? No, their stumble opened the door of salvation to other people. Jesus came first to the house of Israel. After they refused him, he commissioned his disciples to take the gospel to the whole world. However, we see that that same door of salvation is still open to the Jewish people as well. God's ultimate desire is not their fall, but according to verse 12, their fullness. So God will restore those that will turn to Christ in faith. The choice is before them. And this is this is not a matter of God just predestining a large number of people to be lost. Or Paul's statement that he hoped his preaching to the Gentiles would provoke jealousy in them would be nonsensical. Paul's hope was that when the Jews that had rejected Jesus saw that by the power of his name and the preaching of his gospel, there was revival that came and miracles that came and deliverance that came. And truly the hand of God was moving among the Gentile people. Um, whenever they saw this happening to the to the Gentiles, he was hoping it would stir his countrymen to humble themselves, to seek God with a sincere heart so that they may be saved as well. Verse 15, for if the rejection of them is the reconciling of the world, what would their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the first fruit is holy, so is the lump. If the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive were grafted in among them and became partakers with them of the root and of the richness of the olive tree, don't boast over the branches." But if you boast, it is not you who support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. True, by their unbelief they were broken off, and you stand by your faith. Don't be conceited, but fear, for if God didn't spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. See then the goodness and the severity of God towards those who fail severity, but towards you goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. They also, if they don't continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of that which is by nature a wild olive tree, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more will those which are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? The nation of Israel was, began when one man, Abraham, answered the call of God. And so he served God in faith and holiness, and the Lord promised 
to bless his descendants. Of course, we know that Abraham is the father of all the faithful. So this promise was to the children of faith. The root was holy, um, but when those that by nature, according to the flesh, were the children of Abraham, uh, would not believe, they were cut off like branches broken from a tree. Jesus had warned them, if a man doesn't remain in me, he is thrown out as a branch and is withered. So they were broken off because of their unbelief. The Gentiles that are being saved were grafted in because of their faith. Yet there's a warning here. God is both good and that he grafted us in and that we we have our very life uh, through him. Fruits of righteousness come through him. All the goodness of God is available to us. God is good, but God is also severe. We also can be cut off if our hearts are hardened by sin. We can be cut off if our eyes are blinded by doubt. We can be cut off if, like the Jewish people, we are hypocritical. We're close to God with our mouths only. We say the right things. We call him Lord, Lord, but we don't do the will of the Father. What happened to the Jewish people can also happen to us. Verse 25, For I don't desire you to be ignorant, brothers, of this mystery, so that you won't be wise in your own conceits, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved. Even as it is written, there will come out of Zion the Deliverer, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I will take away their sins. We were an unnatural olive tree, and yet we were grafted in. If God would take people in their sins and their idolatry and bring them in, then surely the Jews that have rejected the Lord, if they will turn and faith, can also be grafted back in. There's there's restoration for those that have fallen. And so Israel was hardened. That's true. They had fallen. They had been cut off, at least partially. And I say partially um, using the word Paul used because there was still a large number of Jewish converts. And it's that first generation. So many of your apostles and leaders of Christianity were still of Jewish descent. But now the revival has moved and is spreading among the Gentiles. And so just as the fullness of the Gentiles were coming in, all of Israel or the fullness of Israel would also be able to come in in like manner and be saved. Now, this doesn't mean every Gentile, uh, the fullness of the Gentiles doesn't mean every Gentile was saved and all of Israel doesn't mean everyone with Jewish blood is going to be saved. But but all those that believe, there was a promise. The, the fullness of the Gentiles who are going to be saved would have their chance to come in. It's not his, his will for any to perish, but that all would come to repentance. And the, the Jews that will repent and believe in like manner in the same way will also be saved. Um, and so all those that believe, including uh, from the, the words of uh, Isaiah here, um, when he says that even ungodliness would be turned away from Jacob. So this includes um, the the Jacob or the Jewish people. All those that believe are going to have their sins taken away 
This is God's covenant under this new covenant of grace. Verse 28, concerning the good news, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you in time past were disobedient to God, but now have obtained mercy by their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient, that by the mercy shown to you, they may also obtain mercy. For God has bound all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all." Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past tracing out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has first given to him, and it will be repaid to him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. The church had faced intense persecution, not just from the pagan Gentile world, but also from the Jews who were claiming to be children of the one true God. It was because of the stumbling block, because of Christ, because of their gospel, um, the Christian's gospel, that the Jews considered them their enemies. But just as Christ instructed us to love our enemies, he, he loves the Jewish people as well. And so God's calling is irrevocable. That that means he doesn't regret the calling and the promise that he had made to Abraham. Though by and large, the descendants of Abraham uh, were disobedient, God will extend mercy to them just as he did to the Gentiles that were also living in sin and disobedient. God's ways are beyond our ways. His mercy reaches further than we can imagine. His faithfulness, uh, his compassion, he, he loves us even when others would consider us unlovable. His desire is to have mercy on us all. I'm thankful we serve that kind of God, aren't you? Let's pray together. <coughs> Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. I ask that we could serve you in sincerity and in faith. Let your face shine on us in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Join me again tomorrow for another episode.